Did you know up to half of women having sex are not having orgasms? What is up, sapiosexuals? Thank you for turning on Sex in South Beach with Dr. Sanjaya, America's sex educator. So the sex situation we're getting into today is all about the orgasm gap. We have Suzanne Mulvahill here, who is a clinical sexologist and orgasmatologist and the executive director of the Female Orgasm Research Institute to help us untangle this situation. Thank you, Suzanne. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you, Dr. Sanyaya. It's so nice to meet you. Thank you. So I love your organization. It's dedicated to help closing the orgasm gap. I know a lot of people have heard about the orgasm gap, but how would you describe it? Well, it's up to 50% of women, 41 to be exact, that have difficulty orgasming worldwide. And that statistic has not changed for 50 years. So I think the fact that there's only one validated treatment to help women, and it's only for women that have never orgasmed, probably are some of the reasons why the gap still exists. Absolutely. I always say we need more women working in medicine and science. As you know, women have only been allowed to go to medical school for about 50 years on a wide scale. And I think that's why we're finally coming to a point in society where we can actually address women's sexual health issues is because women are in the field. Women like you who are starting, you know, these huge research movements. Can you tell us a little bit about your institute? Sure. Um, well, we st- I started it back in 2018, and originally it was called the Orgasm Project, um, really to identify proven pathways to orgasm, to female orgasm. Having dealt with this issue myself for periods of time, um, I found that it was important that women had access to information. So there's an online library of female orgasm in- information, and I've been conducting research for the last three years um, that is also available on the on the site. So letting women know there is hope. This is a solvable problem. And I think that's really important because I was looking at the statistics on your website and it's something like less than 5% of women actually talk to their providers about their orgasmic difficulties. Is that correct? That's correct. And yeah, it's correct. So all of these other women who are not having orgasms, it's like up to 50% in some populations Um, that means the other 95% of those women are just suffering in silence. Or they're faking orgasm. That's another major issue of women that fake. Um, But suffering in silence, I think, is an appropriate way to put it. Or they're going on the web. There are large web groups on Reddit and Facebook where women are asking. I saw someone recently at 50... 50 some years old say, I have never had an orgasm. So women are getting the courage to start speaking up about it. And that's, that's encouraging to me. Absolutely. And your website, femaleorgasmresearch.org is filled with scientifically sound information 
about the orgasm gap and about all of the strategies that you're working on to help close this gap. So for all of those women who are out there Googling about their orgasm, make sure you check out this website because it, it, it is filled with scientifically sound information focused on helping you specifically. So that's very, very cool. Now, tell me a little bit about your work with cannabis, because you've done a lot of work with cannabis in orgasms. Tell me what you found out. Well, I found out, I'm still writing up the, dis the final chapter of the dissertation, um, but basically that up to 73% of women that had orgasm difficulty who use cannabis before sex um, increased their orgasm frequency, 62% increased their orgasm satisfaction, and 71% reported that it made it easier for them to orgasm. Wow. Those are the big, so, big statistics. Right. Those are some big findings. Yeah. So basically what I'm hearing is that marijuana or cannabis has helped a lot of women improve their orgasmic functioning. Is that true? That's true. That's absolutely true. That's wow. and, and not only that, it's helped women who lost their ability, or it's called acquired female orgasm difficulty. Right. Where they used to be able to orgasm, they had a surgery. I had two women who I interviewed, one who had a um, cyst removed, who lost her ability to orgasm, and the other one who had three surgeries, um, and it took her six months to a year to regain her orgasm. So, cannabis is for sure a healer. Wow. So that is really cool. And you brought up a really important point. Often women could orgasm previously, but either life has changed. They've gone through some health issues. Maybe they've had major relationship changes or they're in a high stress situation that has depleted their ability to orgasm. And so it's really cool that we have someone working on this specific issue and looking at what's available medically um, that really shows clinical benefit. That's incredible. And you know, this information has been around since the 70s when Dr. Eric Gu did the first study. And uh, a book was written by a woman named Barbara Lewis in 1970 called The Sexual Power of Marijuana. So this is not new information. It's a matter of now linking all the fragmented pieces in the anecdotal research together that it's helping women orgasm and like getting the word out there that it's, 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 it's healing with science. And so another important thing that I read on your website is that there's a lot of movement about educating OB-GYNs about the benefits of marijuana for females experiencing orgasmic dysfunction. Because let's say I'm brave enough and I'm one of the 5% of women who has built up the courage. And I tell my doctor, hey, I'm having orgasm problems. You know, I can't climax anymore. And unfortunately, a lot of doctors don't know what to do about that. Is that correct? That's a good point. And so, really educating sex therapists too, you know? Right. Yeah. But if I tell my doctor that I am having orgasmic difficulties, would they be able to prescribe marijuana to me? Would I be eligible for a medical marijuana prescription? That's a really good question. So it really depends if the OBGYN is a medical marijuana doctor. So if the OBGYN, let's say that they're not, because I work at a medical school, okay. the largest medical school in South Florida, and the physicians here are not allowed to prescribe marijuana yet. 
I imagine that will be coming because we are an internationally renowned healthcare system. Mm -hmm. So to keep up with the current, you know, healthcare, not only the healthcare trends, but these are evidence-based therapies. Um, I imagine that that's a temporary thing that our physicians currently are not allowed to prescribe, but I don't think female orgasmic difficulties are currently considered a problem that's eligible for a medical marijuana prescription. Is that correct? That is an excellent point. Yes, that's an excellent point. That's my next endeavor. Right. So tell me about this. You're, You're trying to change policies around that, right? You're trying to make sure that when women do have the courage and they bring it up to their doctor, that they actually are eligible for medical marijuana. Is that correct? Yeah. That's correct. That's, I mean, having been an elected official myself and and being involved with the political action committee in South Florida for a decade, helping public policy, helping people change policy, understanding it's people that change policy. So it's, that's, it's people who change policy and it's getting women together who want to make this change. Yeah. That is very, very cool. So ladies, you know, if there's ever another female who is brave enough to run for president, I'm I'm voting for Suzanne because she wants to give women who have orgasm problems, she wants to make sure that they're eligible for medical marijuana. And I think that is one of the most valid health concerns that should, that does warrant, you. you know, effective medical treatment. And as you said, right now, we've got only one thing around and it's a pill. And it doesn't necessarily focus on orgasms. It focuses on desire. Um, And so I'm very, very excited about the future of your work. And we're definitely going to stay in touch about that. Yeah. And it's really important that doctors and sexologists um, and therapists and everyone knows that cannabis may be a real viable solution for women who have had repeated orga- or orgasmic difficulties. It's been around and it's been, it was even part of the 1937 uh, Marijuana Tax Act when they got rid of marijuana. It was because women enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, it's been, it, there's research that says that women seem to have more sexual benefits than men. There's some research around that too. So um, clearly it's, uh, you know, it's not a magic pill. You know, I like to say that, you know, the, the, the setting is important too, the dosage is important too, the timing, like these are all things that women can practice. You could put it to a practice, a practice. And I think I also read on your website, is it like 40% of the women who use marijuana have enhanced sexual experiences? It's pretty high, you know, and yeah. just knowing that the orgasm frequency for women that had orgasm difficulty went up by 70, 73%. Like that, if you would look at the statistics of my research, for example, and see all the women, because we looked at them without orga- without cannabis and with cannabis, like the same women with their own control. And wow. how many, the percentage of women who almost never or never orgasm without cannabis compared to the women who do orgasm with, it was, it was remarkable to see the difference. In addition to cannabis, Tell us a little bit about your experiences with yoga. Actually, Suzanne and I just realized at the beginning of this podcast, 
years ago, maybe five or six years ago, Suzanne came to one of my Yoga for Better Sex classes. So I'm super excited about that. I think yoga can improve sexual functioning, especially women who have experienced, you know, problems with pleasure during sex. Absolutely. Absolutely. And connecting to their bodies, like feeling present. Absolutely. I mean, I just did a paper last year. I just got certified as a Kundalini yoga instructor. I was in school all last year for that. And uh, I did a paper on that for my class. And there's scientific evidence that yoga in general, like it does help sexually. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's I'm a big believer. I mean, I do yoga every day myself. So right. It's it's a part of my life. Yeah. Ditto. Ditto. So you get it from two sexologists and I love Suzanne's title. She's an orgasmologist. So if we're doing yoga every day, um, you might want to think about it. Consider it. Well, cognitive distraction and yoga, you know, and meditation, cognitive distraction is one of the main reasons women struggle with orgasm. They're because their mind's thinking about other things. And, you know, a lot of women with sexual trauma as well, you know, have the walls that come up. So learning how to calm the mind came up overwhelmingly in my interviews and with women's comments in the survey that I conducted. Um, So that's where it can also play a role. I agree. I agree. I always say if you really want, you know, your woman to reach her orgasmic potential, then you want to make sure the dishes are done, that all of her work projects are completed, that the kids are taking care of not inside the house because our brains will go everywhere and get distracted from really feeling present and being in the moment and appreciating, you know, the pleasurable sensations that can come from intimately connecting with someone. We really do need our minds to calm down. I agree. And so yoga can do that. Yoga can really help with that and breathing practices and focusing. I think yoga really helps me focus on tuning everything out. And so that I can just tune into my body and my breathing. And I remind my students often that yoga is all of these weird positions we wouldn't normally get into. It's almost like to distract your brain. Okay, my arms must be straight. My leg must be bent. I must suck in my lower belly. <laughs> okay, Lift your head, long neck, long spine. So if you're doing all of those things, there's no way you could be distracted thinking about all the other things, all the other things going on in life. I thought it was great. I had, you're just reminding me of one woman that I interviewed that like she would, like her brain, how she would work with her brain because her brain was trying to tell her, um, you're starting to get aroused. Um, you're starting to like, your heart's starting to beat. And, and she would tell her brain, um, listen, you're really not being helpful. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's hypervigilance. Like that is, that's, that's the part that we need to calm down, you know, in, and that's something that can, I'm going to say it again, like with cannabis that it can help quiet that the amygdala, you know, the part of the brain that actually where trauma is stored. So, and women, what, one thing that was fascinating is that with orgasm and women who have trauma, her amygdala stays on where a man's amygdala does not. So that's a, I thought that was a very interesting piece of science to know with women. And I mean, I had one woman, for example, who, had a lot of sexual trauma and she never orgasmed through masturbation or through 
partnered sex and she told the man she was with, listen, I like you a lot, um, but I've never been able to orgasm. And he said, try this. And he gave her <laughs> have a joint, babe. Let's see. And what she happens. orgasmed the first time. And no longer does she even think she has, you know, an orgasm problem because it's she can have an, it now with or without an orgasm with or without cannabis. So, you know, I think with cannabis use and orgasms, I think a nice way like some people can read like Eckhart Tolle's book, The Power of Now, and it just sinks in and they can do it. I'm in the moment now. Nothing else is happening. Everything is either the past or the future. But right. to be present means I'm 100% here in this moment. So some people can do that. And some of us can't, right? Some of us, it's just really hard to do that. And that's where cannabis might be helpful, right? It To quiet all of that talking. And what you said was really important all that extra talking in our in our brains that goes on uh you know in men when they're experiencing sexual pleasure that talking shuts up but right. in, not ours keeps going on <laughs> like that, 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 well that, that. and the number one issue that women complained about with their orgasm problem was actually that they took too long like and cuz it's a one and then one woman said like once that voice starts Oh, you're taking too long. Oh, am I taking too long? How, how much time has it been? <laughs> she goes, once that taking too long piece comes in, she can't turn it off. <laughs> right, right. And we're kind of beating ourselves up, right? Then you're like, oh, you know what? Let me just fake it because we have to get out of bed at some point tonight. At some point tonight, we're going to have to leave. We're going to have to stop. So, <laughs> oh, um, yeah, and um. I also really like your interest in orgasms beyond pleasure because I'm one of the people who really tries to prove that, especially with religious people, like God is a fan of sex. God supports sexual pleasure because God mm -hmm. could have also made it like, hey, let's fist bump and ooh, you get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Then there's no need for sexual pleasure. And we know that men do have to have an orgasm in order to procreate. But women don't. So I think that's like real evidence that God wants us to have pleasurable sex. But I love your perspective that actually orgasms aren't just for pleasure. They're for our health. Tell us a little bit about why you feel that way. Well, there was a recent study that just came out about women and heart failure. And the high percentage, over 50% of women that have heart failure have sexual dis difficulties in one of the five domains, either, you know, either because of arousal, um, desire, orgasm, lubrication, or satisfaction, one of those five areas. So my, my philosophy is similarly to um, our endocannabinoid system that was just found 30 years ago. You know, what right. if we find out in 10 years or 20 that our clitoris is actually right. like, it's got right. eight, Thousand nerve endings, eight thousand. Right. I know this is like a regulation system in our body. Absolutely, so that's how I feel about it. That it's actually it releases um, oxytocin when orgasm happens. And and did you know that three times as many women in their sixties get Alzheimer's disease? And one of the criteria for Alzheimer's is lack of guess what? Are you kidding? Lack of orgasms? Lack of sexual? Lack of oxytocin. Oxy oh, oxytocin. I was like, lack but, of I mean, I, I actually think that it needs to be asked. Do these right. women orgasm? 
You know? Absolutely. And, you know, I, I've often said with people who are sexually starving, like you, we can always tell when someone doesn't have oxytocin flowing through their blood because they cut you off in the grocery store line. And you're like, really? I mean, we're in the grocery store and you're my neighbor, but okay, if you really need to go first or they're mean, you know, we all know that like the woman in the office, everyone's like, oh, she's got to get laid because she's such a right. bad whatever. So we know that we, we can, everyone can notice an oxytocin deficit. So when we see people, I, you know, I'm like, that's the person you need to give like a massage gift certificate to someone mm -hmm. has to touch them. They have to get some skin, to skin to contact, right? They've got to get, they've got to get their juices flowing again. But, um, that's really important because if we would take oxytocin into consideration when we're looking at women's health, and we know dementia is, I mean, it is such a rapidly growing crisis in the right. world right now. And it seems to be happening to everyone at younger and younger ages. But as you're, I'm putting this together as you're giving me this information, but I do believe we are a society that's starved of sexual pleasure. So it makes perfect sense that we have increased rates of dementia because we have so much stress. Stress is such a huge killer of sexual desire and sexual functioning. Right. It makes perfect sense. I don't think they check it. That's, that's one of the main problems is these questions aren't being asked. Right, right. That's really, really important. But if you're an educated patient, you might be able to engage your doctor around this conversation. Like, hey, you know, I've learned some information. Oxytocin may be related to increased dementia risk. How can I get my levels checked? And, That's right, it. and let's figure out a pathway to get them regulated if they're not. I once um, worked briefly with a a functional medicine doctor. And he was telling me that, you know, there's synthetic oxytocin that he gives to people when they're so, so low. He's, and I said, well, why wouldn't you give them behavioral interventions? You know, he said, you don't understand Sanjaya. Some people are so low in oxytocin, they can't get out of bed. So you oh have to get them gosh. to be able to get out of bed before you can give them a behavioral intervention. And I was like, huh, that really, okay. Okay, you do. You have to, they, they can't be so sad that they can't get out of bed wow. um, because then they can't, you know, they can't go for their massage. They can't go for their yoga right. where they're going to meet their potential partner. <laughs> right. Um, wow. Yeah. So that really makes a lot of sense. Um, and even more, it was recently, you just told about, about, you just talked about a recent study with me earlier about heart failure. That's correct. It was out. It was I. I saw it come through because I have a Google alert on female sexual. I don't like the word dysfunction, but that's what it's called. Um, and it came through that uh, yeah, over fifty percent of the women with heart failure have female sexual dysfunctions. And uh, and this doctor, he was actually in Munich, was saying about we need to be screening for this. Like, why are we not screening? And asking women, do you have issues with desire, arousal, orgasm, pain, lubrication? Do you have any of these issues? Like, it's a very easy question to ask. Like, why are we not talking about this? You know, we just wrote a paper about what, what doctors learn in medical school about sex. You know, while we were doing this research, 
we learned most doctors are extremely uncomfortable discussing sex with their patients. Most feel underqualified to discuss sex with their patients. And unfortunately, there's like no standardized sexual health curriculum in medical schools to make sure that doctors are qualified to help their patients deal with sexual issues. Wow. So it's kind of scary that doctors really don't seem to be learning enough and don't have the confidence um, to help their patients address sex problems. But on the other side, what I'd like for people listening to take away from this is um, it is us as patients, when we go to the doctors that encourage medicine to get better. So we all start asking our doctors about our sexual health and for evidence-based resolutions to our sex problems, then training will slowly get incorporated and eventually be mandated because it won't be just 5% of women who have the courage to discuss sex. That's correct. Absolutely. If 50% of women were discussing sex with their doctors, then doctors would would have more training now. That's a great point, Dr. Um, Sanjay. Great, great, great point. So it's important to realize that I think our doctors are uncomfortable discussing it. And at the same point, but we are patients and doctors are not necessarily underpaid. So I'm like, make us work, make them work, make doctors work. It's the job, you know? And um, even though not that many people feel comfortable asking their doctors about sex and not every doctor feels comfortable discussing it, um, it's squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? correct. It squeaky wheel gets the oil. And um, when you're thinking about increased risk for heart disease or increased risk for dementia, I think that that means we have an obligation to our loved ones to actually ask our doctors, um, hey, measure my oxytocin levels. If I'm having some sex issues, let's discuss this and get this on track. And if you're not the right person, refer me to someone like Suzanne, like Sanjaya, someone who can help me because we are here and we are working with the healthcare system. That's correct. That's great, great, great point. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, with your policies that you're making, making sure, I love that, that science recognizes that women deserve, you know, scientifically sound healthcare. It's time to do it. It's New Mexico was the first state to approve PTSD. The veterans, the veterans joined together and they got PTSD added into 31 U.S. states. Wow. Because they joined together. Right. And I thought, well, if the vet, I mean, and God bless our veterans. I mean, I, I have oh, a lot God of respect vets. for our veterans. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I looked at the same model in a sense for women thinking, wow, like if we join together, we can get this approved state by state by state. And certain states like Illinois, who has the most conditions of treatment, Every year, there's an opening at the end of the year that you can, Illinois too, you can petition, and New Mexico, you can petition. So I'm looking for women in those states in particular to start. (laughs) So if you're listening in Illinois or New Mexico, get in touch with Suzanne, okay? And help move this along. And I'm also optimistic because I know in our medical school and so many others, more than 50% of the students are now females. So as more women go into the health professions, I'm optimistic that we will be able to address this because we know 
with men's sexual health, you know, Viagra, Cialis, everything. And it's all covered by insurance, you know. Not only that, they can go to a center. Right. Where, where do women go because they have an orgasm problem? You know, I looked at one of the university's websites and it was all that was listed was, was a sex therapist. I'm like, uh, wait a minute. It's not all psychological. That, right. You know, talking about this problem, the body needs to be involved in the healing. I think that's the most important thing. The body needs. I went to four sex therapists. I mean, over right. 30 years. I can tell you right now, talking about it didn't solve it. So Absolutely. the body needs to be part of the healing. So, and cannabis was part of my own healing, you know? So right. that's what, that's what I sold my company to go back to school to do this research. Cause I thought, my God, if this could help me, it, there must be something here. There yeah, <laughs> I definitely, a couple of months ago, I interviewed a woman who was going to become a nun and now she makes cannabis infused lube. So she she calls it the nun who makes you come, <laughs> but it's now sold in medical marijuana dispensaries wow. um, only in California now, but it also is rooted in her personal experiences and she was selling it like on the side. It was very like hush hush, like at the bar, you know, drug dealing type stuff. Give me the lube, give me the lube. I need that cannabis lube. I mean, um, and so it is exciting. It's exciting not only to see um, cannabis make its way into the arena of sexual health, but I love seeing women leading the movement to improve female sexual experiences. It is really fantastic. And you know, the other thing is the, the confidence. Like I interviewed women. I, I could feel there's something about women who orgasm, who have confidence. They, and they're, they're going to use their, their cannabis, whether their man uses it or not. Like, this is what helps me. And I was just so impressed with these women that like, you know, this is one woman's called it her by, you know, my husband takes his Viagra. I take my cannabis <laughs> yeah. down to like a quarter, one woman, each their like little prescription of their own. Cause they had to figure it out themselves. The dosage, right. because there's no way there's no right dosage for anyone. She says, I take one quarter of a brownie, like 20 yeah. minutes, 30 minutes before, like, you know, but knowing their prescribed amount, how much, and I just loved hearing their confidence. It was really encouraging. Absolutely. It's funny because when you said confidence, I was thinking about, you know, like when someone has had a great orgasm or two or three or four the night before, and then they come into the office the next day and they're glowing, everyone can tell. They're like, no, walking through the office, like, that's right. I got it. And that's also when everybody else wants to give her an orgasm too, because they're, you know, she's giving out the juices. That's it's energy. Exactly. Yeah orgasmic confidence or the confidence that comes from orgasms. Yeah. is pretty incredible. It's a real um, thing. I mean, you know, if you think about like a garden, like tomato plants grow best next to certain plants and right. you know, I mean, it's, it's just the truth. So there's gotta be things that we can't see and that, that are actually like you're talking about, we can sense it. You can feel it. You know it, that it's the same kind of thing. So. Absolutely. You know what? I want to have you back because there's so many different things that I have learned through your website about the different yeah. projects that you're doing. And everyone, Suzanne was actually referred to me 
by a medical marijuana provider who we were writing a research grant together. And he reached out to me and was like, look, doc, you got to meet this woman. She is so fantastic. You're not going to believe what she's doing. She's doing a study to see how cannabis improves female orgasms. And I knew you would be so excited to speak with her. And of course I am, I'm thrilled, but the work you're doing is it's groundbreaking. It is absolutely incredible. And I hope that everybody supports you. And if you ever need any sort of vocal or physical presence, definitely, you know, call me. Let's get Thank let's, you, let's Dr. Sanjaya. Thank you so yes. much. Yes, let's get this done. I, I actually also- think he, he referred me to you too back then. This was like a year and a half ago when I was getting, I had all these little flyers trying to get people, women to take my surveys. And that's how I met it. Andrew. Oh, I wish I would have taken the survey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wish I could have participated in the study, but it's a very, very, very cool, um, cool connection. And I know I will have you back to talk about specific issues. Like I really want more women to support your policy endeavors because ladies, if we can get, tell me it's FOD, female orgasmic difficulties. Difficulties because that's what I call it. The DSM calls it disorder, but I don't like the label of disorder. They took disorder off the man. They don't call it disorder anymore for a man. They call it delayed ejaculation. So it used to be equal, you know, and it was inhibited for women anyway. But um, I just, I call it female orgasm difficulty uh, versus disorder. Right. And as you said earlier, it's because it's a solvable issue. And the more often that if we can get together and speak about this, like the veterans were able to do to get PTSD, you know, as a doc, as one of the validated uh, criteria that meets medical marijuana eligibility, then the more that we speak about it, um, the more, you know, the more that we can promote the solutions out there for it and demonstrate it's a real health issue. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm writing a white paper as part of my dissertation. uh, That goes over 50 years of research. And Dr. Eric Good, who from 1970 wrote, he did the first study. He's the pioneer on cannabis and sex. And uh, he said, it's a no brainer for him that it should be. He told me you can use anything I say. He's about 83 or 84 now. Us female orgasm advocates have to stick together. Right. We collect more too, right? right. We some more too. And just to let women know, they can go to my website, femaleorgasmresearch.org right now and put their information in um, about until I get this new site up. Right. Uh, it's going to be called womenscp.org. Women's, it stands for cannabisproject.org. And I'm just going to collect let them know what it is. I'm going to go have a photo shoot in the next week or two. That is so cool. And hopefully you'll get a sponsorship from one of those major medical marijuana brands. And then that might really help spread the word and it'll work better for them. Maybe, you know, or, Hey, look up the nun who makes you come. Yeah. I've heard about her and and women, I would tell they told me they were looking for cannabis lube. The women who I interviewed, several of them mentioned this cannabis. They're like, this company stopped making it. I don't know where to get it anymore. But the nun can get it. You got to fly out to California to get it. Right, right. But maybe, you know, state by state, it'll make its way over to the exactly. East. Exactly. Women loved it. I've never tried it, but I've heard good things about it. Yes. And we should all be able to try it, right? We should right. all be able to try it. I want to try it too. 
You know, yeah. I'm with you here. We're going to try it and we're going to talk about it. <laughs> and we'll talk about it. <laughs> we're going to talk about it. But I def- I will invite you back and I want to discuss the policies in depth and learn what we can do to support making these policies a reality within yeah. our lifetime. Thank because you. Because we want women to come. All right. All right, guys. You know what Thank time you. it is. It is time for your climax where Suzanne and I give you a little something, something to remember about the orgasm gap. One, Suzanne. It's solvable. Women can orgasm. They can learn women who haven't or haven't in a while or haven't with their partner. It's learnable. Absolutely. It's solvable. It's learnable. And two, talk about it. Make it a a coffee table topic. Ask your friends, how was your orgasm? We ask, how was your dinner? How was your knee? How was your elbow? How is your headache? How is your orgasm? Talk about it. We must have been separated at birth because I'm always saying, why is everyone talking about the weather? Who cares about the weather? Talk about your orgasms. How's your sex life? Right? That's what right. we should talk about it. It's it's talk about it. That's it's critical. Talk about it. Absolutely. And number three, your orgasms are good for your health. Absolutely. Your orgasms are going to reduce your risk for heart disease, possibly dementia, so many good areas. And you know what? You're going to get that confidence, right? You're going to get that. mm, mm, mm. You're going to feel good and get your glow on. Who needs a facial when you can have an orgasm? It was so much fun having you today, Suzanne. Tell everybody, where can we find you? you. Femaleorgasmresearch.org and sign up for the updates and the upcoming website. And I look forward to coming back and talk about when that website's up to get orgasm difficulty added as a condition of treatment in U.S. states. Absolutely. And you may have heard Suzanne talking about her dissertation. She is a PhD candidate. She is a scientist. She's an academic. And I love that because we do need more scientists focused on this. For your daily dose of Nookie knowledge, check me out on all the social media networks. That's Dr. Sanjaya, D-R-S-O-N-J-I-A, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn. What you waiting for, baby? You know you want to link up. I am Dr. Sanjaya, and I had so much fun chatting with you today, and I cannot wait to do it again next time. Thank you for listening to Sex in South Beach, where everyone comes for happier, healthier sex. My Uber driver lost his mind the other day, but he blamed me. He said I smelled so good he became too excited to drive. This man actually pulled over to get himself together. And he refused to drive until I told him the name of my fragrance. Then he bought three bottles before driving again. I know Sen's body oil makes men crazy, but that Uber ride should be free. What's your sense story? SenseBodyOil.com S-E-N-S-E BodyOil.com